0: Well, as we turn to God's Word, that's what it means to us, life more abundant in the Lord Jesus Christ. And what I want to look at tonight is from Second Corinthians. If you have your Bibles, you can turn up to chapter 6, <clears throat> and we'll read from verse 14. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers... For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing, then I will welcome you. And I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body And spirit bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. Amen, and may God add His blessing to that reading this evening. Let's just pray for a moment. Father God, we thank you for the public reading of your precious, infallible Word. And as we turn our attention to this message tonight, we would ask, O God, that you would use the clear lips of men to bring to life and bring that life to each one of us and help us to follow after the Lord Jesus Christ, that we might know the guiding of the Holy Spirit and His blessing upon this service. For we ask these things in Jesus' name and for His sake. Amen. Well, in... Uh, My Bible that I read tonight, um, reading from the ESV, it's marked up the temple of the living God. And verse 17 says, Therefore go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing, then I will welcome you. Verse 17 is often quoted by many Christians, and maybe more so by Christian brethren, I was brought up in a brethren home myself, and although I wouldn't knock it because they had good, strong biblical teaching, but sometimes maybe they got things wrong, and maybe verses like this might be one of them. It's a verse that is often used in the wrong way. It covers a vast area of religion today, and one that demands our attention for all who profess Christ as their Savior. Right down through the centuries, separation from the world is a great evidence of a work of grace in the heart of a believer and a sinner. If we've confessed our sins tonight and we're born of the Spirit of God and we are a new creation, then we shall always endeavor to come out from the world and to be separate. But what does that really mean, to come out from the world and be separate? I believe this subject is more important to us today than it was centuries ago, for several reasons, apart from us living in a God-forsaken time like we are at this moment in time, when the truth of this book is being eroded by citizens of this country. And even, yes, I dare say it, some Christians even within the church. There is a widespread desire to make the Christian faith all pleasant and palatable uh, palatable to the masses. Oh yes, offend God, but let's not upset fellow citizens. There is also a desire to saw off the edges of the cross of Christ and to avoid self-denial. We hear it all around us. Don't be so narrow-minded. Don't be so exclusive. Don't be an oddball. You can go anywhere. You can do anything. You can read anything. You can keep company with anybody because you're a Christian. But if God says, come out from the world and be separate, we need to examine this closer to see really what it really means. So tonight, just for four points, I want us to consider these things. And the first is to show that the world is a source of great danger to our souls. The world that God created Is not a danger in itself. When we look at the book of Genesis, does God not say in verse 31 of the first chapter, He says, And God saw that He had made, and it was good. When we talk of the world, we mean those people who think of themselves only, who are selfish, who have selfish desires to please their own desires. People who think of this world only and nothing about the world to come. Not interested, you see, in a God or a Christ that died on a cross. Not interested of where they will spend eternity. They live for now. They live for their habits. They live for their customs. They live for their opinions. And their desires and their motto is, Eat, let's eat and drink and be merry, for tomorrow we die. This is a world that Paul tells us to come out of. Second Timothy two, verse four says, Don't be entangled by the affairs of the world. You see, the world is an enemy to your and to my soul tonight. And when we were saved and converted, you soon began to realize and recognize that there are three things that we battle with as Christians. And they are the world, the flesh, and the devil. The devil tonight is waging war against your heart and my heart to get you to love this present world. Yes, the devil whispers in your ear, why bother going to the service tonight? Put your feet up. Watch your favorite TV program. But Paul writes, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit here, in this verse, he says, come away from the world. Many Christians today do not think the world as a dangerous place, And maybe they think that because maybe they haven't understood. They haven't maybe read their Bibles properly. And you can argue with the opinions of man. But how can you argue with the God of this Bible? There are many texts. We could stand here and read many tonight. But I'll read three. Romans 12, verse 2, "'Be not conformed to this world, "'but be transformed by the renewing of your mind.'" James, verse 4 of chapter 4, "'Know ye not that friendship of the world "'is enmity with God? "'Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world "'is the enemy of God.'" "'And also love not the world, "'neither the things that are in the world,' John says." If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of this world. I don't need to comment on these things. These verses alone God has spoken Do all of these verses not highlight that the world is an enemy of the Christian soul? To all, and especially the young Christians today, the world is a powerful tool which the devil uses to thwart the desires of young Christians. It is not open sin or open unbelief that robs Christ of his professing servants. It's the pleasures of this world. The desire to keep in with the world. This is the great rock on which thousands of young people are constantly making shipwreck of their lives. They may not object to the principles of Christian faith. You do not deliberately choose evil and openly rebel against God. They hope as a Christian, young, to get to heaven at last. But sometimes they cannot give up that idol. They must have something of the world. Secondly, what does not constitute separation from the world? When Paul says, come out from among them and be separate, he didn't mean that we're to come out and give up all worldly callings whether it's your trade or whether it's your profession or in business. He did not forbid us to be what we are today, whether you're a teacher or a doctor or a surveyor or a lawyer or whatever profession you're in tonight. We only need to look at the Scriptures in the New Testament and see for ourselves that all the Christians who had secular jobs in times of Christ You had Luke, the doctor. You had Cornelius, the soldier. And there are many others who had ordinary jobs. So we don't need to give up our daily jobs to come out from the world. Neither should we decline all intercourse with the unconverted, refusing to go into their society. Again, we only need to look at Scripture and see that the Lord Jesus did Go to the marriage feast. He did sit down with the Pharisees. He did sit down and eat with the publicans and sinners. 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 20. It says here in verse 20, To the Jews I became a Jew in order to win Jews. that by all means I might have some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings. Sometimes as Christians, we need to get our hands dirty. We need to get our hands dirty to witness to sinners in need of a Savior. We cannot have that holier-than-thou Attitude, I don't want to mix with those heathen. That's not coming out from the world. When Paul says, come out from the world and be separate, he does not mean that we're to neglect science or literature or politics and to know nothing that goes on in our country. We need to know what's happening. We are to pray for those who are in government the people who govern us, the people who pass the laws. We need to pray for them, love them, or loathe them. When was the last time you prayed for Boris Johnson? When was the last time you prayed for Nicola Sturgeon? Love them or loathe them? You might not like them, but we need to pray that God might intervene in our country. It reminds me of when I was five. And if I was up late at night, my parents used to, my dad read be a few verses of the Bible every night. And then both my parents would get down on their knees next to the couch or the settee or whatever that was called in those days and pray, and he always prayed for those who are in authority, for the Queen, for the government, for those who ruled our lives. We need to pray for those who govern us. Paul didn't think it beneath him to show acquaintances with the laws and customs of the land. He used many illustrations about the world in which we live in. Christians who plume themselves to their ignorance of secular things are precisely the Christians who bring our faith into contempt. To come and be separate does not mean that Christians ought to retire from the company of mankind. We are not to live like hermits in solitude, convincing ourselves that we are walking the pathway to holiness. That is one of the crying errors of the church of Rome to suppose that eminent holiness is to be attained by such practices. It's a delusion of the devil, deluding many into this kind of separation, not according to the mind of Christ. In John 17, verse 15, it says, I pray not that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. When Paul says, come out from the world and be separate, he did not mean that Christians ought to withdraw from every church where there are unconverted Members or keep away from the, the Lord's table if any ungodly were to go up to it. Again, we cannot find any text in scripture to justify that kind of action. Did the Lord Jesus not himself deliberately allow Judas cariot to be an apostle for three years and gave him the Lord's supper? The wheat, you see, and the tares are together. In Matthew 13, verse 30. If we really desire to come out from the world, remember the shortest path is not always the right path. To argue with our unconverted relatives or to cut off contact with all our old unsaved friends, to withdraw entirely from society, living an almost exclusive life, devoting oneself to the work of Christ might seem right, satisfying our conscience and saving us trouble, but I would have to say that this is maybe the easy way out. It's often a selfish and lazy, self-pleasing line of conduct. If we want to come out from the world and to be separate, we need to watch against a sour and gloomy and unpleasant demeanor. Never forget there is such a thing as winning without the Word in 1 Peter 3 and verse 1. We need to be separate from the world in the right way. Let there be no needless separation between us and the world, for we know that we're in the world, but not of its evil ways. And thirdly, what true separation from the world really is? If we desire to come out from the world tonight, we must be definite and steadfast in our desire to habitually refuse to be guided by the world's standards of right and wrong. You see, the rule of many is go with the flow. Do as others do. Go with what's fashionable. These are the pressures that come upon us to comply with the world. But if we are true and truly consistent in our walk with the Lord, and we are different if we are separate, we ought to say when confronted with many questions about this and that, our immediate question should be, what does God say? What does the Scripture say? What is God's Word What is his answer to this? And if we desire to come out of the world and be separate, we must be very careful how we spend our time. Those of us who work have honourable jobs and lawful businesses have a safeguard to a degree, because the devil finds it very hard to get a hearing from a busy person. But when the day's work is done, when the day's work is done and leisure time begins, then comes the hour of temptation. If we are to be separate from the world, we need to be very careful that what we do with our time, the more time we have in our hands, I believe the more temptation comes our way. If we were to write down over this last week, what we did throughout the day, I wonder how much time we would have for the Lord. You know, when I was preparing, I did it, I exercised myself. How much time did I spend with the Lord compared with what I did elsewhere? And when I got to the answer, I was pretty ashamed. I was. If we are to be separate from the world and come out, we must be steadfast in our worship, not to be swallowed up and absorbed by the business of the world. We must abstain from every amusement and recreation which are inseparably connected with sin. We must be moderate in the use and lawfulness of innocent recreations. And we must be careful how we allow ourselves in friendships and close relationships with the world. We mingle, yes, with the unconverted every day. And therefore, we ought to be courteous. We ought to be kind. We ought to be charitable. I have acquaintances that are unsaved, And that's fine, but the danger, you see, lies when that acquaintance becomes a more intimate and closer relationship. And we need to be very careful how we spend our time and who with. You know the old Proverbs, wise and it's right. In Proverbs 13, verse 20, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise but the companion of fools will suffer harm. So finally, to show the secrets of real victory over the world, to come out from the world is no easy thing, so long as human nature is what it is, and a busy devil is always going about like a roaring lion seeking whom He may devour, Peter says. To have real victory over the world requires strong faith, resistance to the attacks of the evil one. And we need to have a right heart if we are to be victorious over the world, the flesh, and the devil. And a heart that was not just renewed when you were saved, but is constantly being renewed day by day. A heart that Christ dwells in. Old things, Corinthians says, have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Is that our heart tonight? Is that your heart tonight? The owner of a heart like that no longer hankers after the world and the things of the world. We no longer should have the same appetite for worldly things that we once had. Sometimes we feel faint. Sometimes we are half tempted to go back to Egypt. But our master never entirely leaves us. He will never suffer us to be tempted above and beyond that what we're able to bear. Therefore, preserve the truth. March steadily homeward and never be ashamed of standing alone. He that grasps the nettle firmly will always be less hurt than the one who touches it with a trembling hand. And finally, let me leave you with an encouragement. We will always be learning. We will always be learning to come out and be separate. But take comfort we're on the right road. You've no cause to be afraid. The everlasting hills are in sight. Your salvation is nearer now than it was when you first believed. In fact, your salvation is nearer now than it was when you walked through the church doors tonight. When we read about being separate, And coming out from the world, remember, it's not to live as hermits. It's not to come and look different by wearing different fancy gowns, looking holy, whatever that means. But man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks within here. He looks in the heart, and it's living for Christ wherever we find ourselves. And not being conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Romans one sorry, Romans twelve, verse one and two. And with this I'll close. I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you're a God of grace and of mercy, a God of love, a long-suffering God, We pray, Lord, that you would teach us from your word, forgive us of our sins, forgive us, Lord, of our worldliness at times, and draw us back again closer to the cross of Christ, and that you would help us as we begin another new week, that you would go before us throughout this week and bless us, for we ask these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.